Welcome to Burn the Ship. This is the podcast that inspires entrepreneurs to go all in and connects them with professionals to help them do it. Today, our guest is Jerry Quinn. Uh, She's going to teach us a little bit about gaining entrepreneurial experience and how to leverage that within your own business. Um, So Jerry, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what your business is. Yeah, so my name is Jerry Quinn. I have a business now called Driving Improved Results. As a coaching consulting business, I work with entrepreneurs as well as some uh, small and mid-sized businesses, and I do some government work as well. And what I really love to do is to work with a founder of a new business and help them become an organizational leader. So when you're a founder of a new business, you have a lot to think about in terms of marketing and making sure your product or service really meets market demand. And I've done a lot of work with that, with um, uh, teaching classes as well as being a serial entrepreneur myself. So I've started and run six businesses. I've sold a couple. And I um, like to work with, really like to work with people to make that happen and to help them grow from when it's just one person who's a founder to a couple of assistants to hiring uh, other people. And then those people become managers because the staff gets hired under them. I mean, it's really exciting to see that kind of development inside of business. Sure. So tell us a little bit about where you're from and how you kind of grew into your first, you know, entrepreneurial, um, you know, kind of venture. Yeah. So I started in New York. Um, that's where I grew up. But I went to school in Pennsylvania, Wycombe College. It's a small um, liberal arts college. And um, then I got involved with uh, meeting all kinds of Pennsylvania people. So I wound up living in Pennsylvania, although I was in, in New Jersey for a while, too. Uh, so New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania has become my ecosystem. And I um, really, after I was a teacher for a while and went to grad school, I then got married and I was looking for things to do. And I said, OK, well, let me start uh, a business that's the entrepreneurial. And not only did uh, was it the beginning of the computer revolution where uh, personal computers started to become very prolific, um, it was a, really a wave for me to ride to coach myself on, you know, how do you use word processing software? How do you use spreadsheet software? And what do individuals want who are hobbyists? But then, you know, every business needed to have a computer. And then everybody's business needed a network. So my business as a Quinn Computer really grew until it was in two states and had 30 employees. And it was a real wave to ride ride, uh, as it became more and more popular. And then, of course, um, there were all the aftermarket things like supplies and cables and software and then as businesses got into it, then it became um, uh, specialized software for accounting, specialized software for computer-aided design like AutoCAD. And so then there was proliferation of operating systems and all kinds of things for me to train other people on. And I came from a, an education background. I had taught elementary school and um, done some uh, teaching at college as well. And so all that kind of training that was involved came very naturally to me. So I not only grew a business, but then I developed a whole training center and um, 
And I was one of those people who started out small and then hired a few people. And then those people hired a few people. And then we, we had departments. And before you know it, I was managing uh, a small business with 30 employees. Um, and I learned a lot about what to do, what not to do, and uh, how to treat people, how to really develop customer loyalty. Um, and that it's not just a program, buy three, get one free to get people to come back. But it's how you um, treat your staff. It's how you set up your organizational chart and where you place the customer in that. A lot of organizational charts start with the leadership at the top and then uh, multiple levels of management and then the customer at the bottom. When really the best organizations, and if you can do this as an entrepreneur when you start your business, it's wonderful. Flip that. Put the customer at the top. Then who's the customer touching um, staff, whether it's you or maybe some assistants you're hiring or maybe some outsourced people that you're working with. And eventually you build the organization to be very customer focused. And when you do that, your business has a much better chance of living and thriving. You know, so many businesses die in the first five years because they, um, they haven't met market demand or the founder doesn't have organizational skills to be a founder, or they can't get out of fundraising. So um, you want to do everything you can to promote the longevity of your business. And that involves business planning and, of course, some funding. Um, but it's really great to have a great business, even if the funding is mediocre rather than having a mediocre business that happens to great, get great funding. Um, you're going to be a lot more successful with a great business. The funding will come. The sure. funding will come. Your customers will tell you if, if they are um, buying your, your services and products uh, in, in great numbers and referring you, your business will grow whether or not you get any funding. Sure. Kind of give you an overview of uh, the the life cycle of what I've been through in terms of um, starting businesses. I've already also sold a business. Would you like to hear about that? Sure. Yeah. So when you start a business, you should really have in your mind's eye, is this a business I'm going to have forever and ever? Is this a business um, that I'm going to have until I sell it? Meaning I'm, I'm building a business so that I can sell it. Um, is this a lifestyle business that kind of gives me something to do? I like, I'm building something to give myself a job. Um, is it to have greater um, flexibility and earning potential? You know, you want to really understand your goals in running and starting a business. But whatever your goal is, you should always build your business as, as if you're going to sell it, because then you do things differently, take it a little bit more seriously, um, put systems in place as if somebody else is going to run it someday. So let's put those systems in place so that uh, not everything is dependent upon me so that it can be replicated by anybody that I hire. Um, or uh, if I'm the only salesperson, you know, of course you are when you're first starting your business, but as you get a couple of people, you don't want to be the only salesperson because then if something happens to you, the whole business falls apart. You want to have somebody else who's selling as well. And um, so, so what I did uh, after, our, after our business was about 18 years old, 
we had somebody who offered to buy it. And of course, once we said to ourselves, oh, that's great, let's sell it. Um, then um, the first buyer didn't pan out, but then we were had that taste in our mouth. So then we wanted to sell it. So we, we worked with a broker, we found uh, another entity that wanted to buy our business. And um, it, there was a lot of negotiation involved. Uh, there was a lot of uh, making good first impressions. There was a, um, understanding the way it works. So in a service business, you might have service contracts and you have to understand the accounting of the service contracts and what's advantageous to you as the seller um, so that you can structure the pricing correctly because uh, you've already been paid for part of that. So you've been already paid by the service for the service contract, but you haven't actually performed all the services under that service contract. So um, there's kind of accounting that you want to check with your accountant about to make sure you you wind up in good favor there. Um, yeah, so I had the opportunity to sell it and, you know, we structured the sale. Uh, my husband was involved as well. So we structured the sale so that um, we kept the new owner as a tenant in our building. So we not only sold the business at its goodwill, we sold the inventory of the business. And then we sold a three-year lease agreement for them to continue to uh, pay us rent. So uh, all this, you really look at, you know, what, what is in your best interest to um, work into that deal. And, and we also negotiated that we would work for the company that was buying us out for at least a year to transition the clients and the contracts and whatever. Sure. So we, we arranged the sale for ongoing revenue and um, it worked out really well. It worked out well. Cool. Well, I wanted to ask you this. It seems you become an expert at really that initial stage of business. When you're setting up a business, you know, you have to put all those right things in place to set you up for success. Tell us some of what those things are when you're setting up a business and why they're so important. Yeah. The first thing and the biggest thing, and I teach this to all my students, I teach hundreds and hundreds of students through New York City um, entrepreneurial programs. The biggest thing is, Know your target market. Know your target market inside out. Listen to your target market. Shape your offering to meet the target market. Now, you might say, I'm going to go for the high end of the market and then understand the high end isn't necessarily what you can service really well. So then you drop to the middle or to the low end. But once you figure where is the good fit, then you've got to know this target market really well. How do they think? What do they prioritize? What's their value system? Do they value saving, cost savings over um, convenience or over this factor, quality factor, over that quality factor? Um, are they interested in, in legacy? Are they interested in um, passing this down throughout their family? Are they interested in um, how it's going to impact another family member? So all of these things become really, really important to your target market. And a lot of times they're not buying what you're selling. So one of the examples I use is um, when my mother was alive, she had a really bad knee and she needed to have her knee replaced. And she was really locked into her chair. So um, she couldn't really get up and move around too well. So she had to have people help her with the light switch and um, she could work the TV with the remote, but if that ever 
didn't work out well, then she had to have somebody help her with that. She had people bring her food. Uh, she couldn't answer the doorbell. All these kinds of things really limited her independence. And so when she got a knee replacement, you know, she went to the hospital. What did she buy? She bought the doctor and she bought the titanium knee that they put in. Um, but what she really bought was independence and quality of life. So you really have to look at what does your client receive and what do they value that they really want? If they really value something uh, because of who they are and, and what attracts them, then it's like moths go into a flame. They can't help but go to um, what you have to offer because it's so much in their awareness that that's what they want. Now, wording is important. If you are looking at what, um, your target market wants, you have to phrase it and word it in the words that they would use to express it. So in my mother's case, you would say, yeah, you can get your independence back. Not that just we're going to get you a new knee so you can walk. We're going to give you your independence back. Your quality of life will be improved. You'll be able to um, exercise your own preferences for food. Uh, you know, all those kinds of things that indicate quality of life. And so when you are um, talking to your target market, listen to the way they phrase their problem. What words do they use? Um, what is this, how would they describe the perfect solution? Then those are the words that you put on your website. Those are the words you put in your flyer. Those are the words that you use in an elevator pitch. Those are the words that you use when you're doing any kind of outreach marketing. Uh, because you want to speak the words that your customers are going to really relate to. And so really know your target market, um, not only the demographics of maybe their age and their, where they live and um, their uh, socioeconomic or education levels or any, any of those other quantifiable things. You want to know the quality of things, the psychographics what makes them um, tick and what's their value system, what they prioritize. Then you want to know their buying patterns. Do they buy only from referrals? Do they buy uh, because they see something on a, um, a store shelf? Uh, do they always go to the internet first? And if they go to the internet first to search things out, what are the keywords that they're um, using? Their buying pattern reflects the key words that they are looking at so that they can, um, so that you can dovetail into what they're actually uh, looking for. Uh, and you also want to know something about their lifestyle patterns. You know, how do they spend their weekends? What do they consider a good vacation? Um, do they have lunch at noon at their desks? I mean, some, some businesses sell B2B. And so you're not only looking at the business is going to be buying your product or service, but you're looking at the decision maker in that business. So you're really doing a double focus on the business as well as the decision maker. Get to know your target market inside out. Fill out reams and reams and reams of paper or Word documents about your target market and share it with your, um, your staff, if you have staff. Um, you can use focus groups. You can do online research. Libraries are wonderful places. Uh, go to the magazines that your target market reads. See what is drawing their attention. And then create an avatar. Take this um, personality. And if you have some customers already, 
take your four best customers and put them together into one person, or you don't have any customers yet, think what would be the perfect customer that you've been uh, researching in your target market. Create this character and name the character. Um, whether you name it, uh, you know, Joseph, or um, I have a client um, who is a financial planner. He named his avatar Chief I Want to Retire. <laughs> um, another one of my clients named their avatars um, uh, C, uh, CEE Bo, because he wants to talk at CEOs and CFOs. And so um, name your avatar. And then invite your avatar to any kind of meeting. If you're having a staff meeting with your, with your staff, if you have staff, pull up a chair, put this physical representation of an avatar. It could be a stuffed animal or a soda bottle or anything. Put it there and say, if we make the decision this way, how will our target, our avatar named Chief I Need to Retire, how will that avatar be impacted by the decision we make today? That's how you can keep your business really customer focused and that will help it grow. Sure. And how can our audience develop some acumen in the space of creating their business? You know, I think you've grown a really good outline for what it means to be customer focused and deciding the direction of your business. You know, how can someone develop some acumen really as far as, you know, being able to do this and replicate it across more industries, what are some resources that they have out there that can teach them, you know, really what they need to be looking for when it comes to starting a business? Yeah. So um, there's material out there from the Kaufman foundation. That's K A U F F M A N. Um, And they, um, because of their benefactor a long time ago, developed all this entrepreneurial education. And sometimes it's uh, taught, through programs where you can meet up with other entrepreneurs and um, study the material together. And sometimes you can just access it on your own online. Um, But it is a whole bunch of um, information and a lot of it's interactive, some of it's video-based and it helps you build a business plan. So if you go through it and you are um, answering the questions as you go through the exercise, it extrapolates it and puts it in in the appendix in business plan format so that when you're done, you've actually built a business plan. So you want to build a business plan and you can use these materials or maybe something else that's in your area on the Kaufman Foundations nationwide. And then um, you certainly need a lawyer and you need an accountant. You have to build a team. You're going to need an insurance person. You should have a business coach. And so you want to build this team of people who can be your your advisors and mentors to um, steer you straight. So I've worked with some entrepreneurs who got everything wrong. They filed their taxes wrong. They set up their LLC wrong. They um, didn't figure out what their budget was and then they overspent and they um, they didn't set up their banking right. So one of the things you really want to know is that you want to separate your personal finances from your business finances. So just like you have a personal bank account and a personal credit card, you want to have a business bank account and a business credit card and keep them really separate. That's going to help with your accounting, number one, and then the IRS won't you know, um, come after you for double dipping and, and um, you know, 
sloppy record keeping and then fine you for trying to put too many personal expenses through your business because that's what it will look up, look like. So make sure you start out with those two accounts. Um, but having a, an accountant in the beginning who can help you take startup funds, for instance, and, and then lump them together and then advertise them over time so you don't have to, uh, so you can get tax credit for that is something that, that a lot of people don't know when they're first starting out. A lot of people don't realize um, when they start a website that they need some legal statements that are part of the website about their cookies and accepting cookies and, and proprietary content on their website. So you want to get that kind of thing squared away. He has a few dollars up front, but it saves, saves, saves so much headache later on. And then if you have um, proprietary services or products, there's um, some things that you should know about getting those copyrighted, trademarked, and, and developed as inter intellectual property. Um, and some of those things you can do on your own. Uh, you just have to know how to get the research done. And sometimes you can join entrepreneurial groups to um, find out how other people have done it. And then sometimes you'll find somebody who's done it not too long ago and they'll help you through it. Sure. There's an organization called Startup Grind. Uh, which is for entrepreneurs and it's nation and it's worldwide. There's probably chapters in every city. And um, you can find people there who have been through this and their meetings generally invite an investor and about what is necessary in order for that, um, for any business to be eligible for investment. And that's usually the speaker of the evening. But then there's generally a time for people to do a lot of networking and people ask questions and share and you can find people there who have been an entrepreneur um, a couple of years longer than you have and then help you um, do some of these things and maybe even steer you to some free resources that might be available in your city sure so i know in new york there's uh, start grow think um start small think big um and there's also uh, fast track. Um, and I'm sure there are, uh, and then SCORE, SCORE is national in scope. And those are retired executives who donate their time for free to um, starting entrepreneurs. So you want to use all these resources. Sure. And if someone wants to have a conversation with you regarding your service and how you can help them start their business, how would they find you? Yeah. So I have a website called Driving Improved Results. I'm all about driving improved. That's with an ED, results plural. Um, so drivingimprovedresults.com is the website. And my email is jerry, J-E-R-I, at drivingimprovedresults.com. And so um, feel free to reach out. I have complimentary interviews if somebody wants to pick my brain for half an hour. Um, I'm happy to talk about that if we think it's a good fit. And someone who really wants to use me as a mentor, advisor, coach, consultant, I'm open to that. Um, and um, I really love people and my passion is to empower people to be big and to think big and to grow something big responsibly with, with all the baby steps along the way so that they can really be successful at it. Sometimes people want to achieve too much too soon and they don't 
get a great, good enough foundation. And so then they, uh, they peter out. But if you have a good foundation and you're really looking to achieve your break-even point and then start to get more and more profitable, um, there's a lot that can be done to, uh, to help you utilize various resources outside your business, like I just mentioned, and then inside your business. What are your own skills? What are your own opportunities and network capabilities? And um, uh, there's just so much that you have, you may not realize these are your assets that you can use to uh, be better at this thing called building business. Cool. Well, thank you for coming on today. I have one more question for you. Um, you know, burning the ship to us is going all in on your business. You know, tell us what burning the ship has done for you and why our audience should do it as well. If you're too cautious, then that's the opposite of entrepreneurism. Entrepreneurism is about taking risks. It's about trying to do things where nobody's um, done them just your way before. And it's okay. It's okay to, to take a risk and to burn that ship. Um, and there are some safeguards that you can put in place. So, you know, never take a second mortgage, for instance, in order to fund your dream. And, um, so that risk probably isn't worth it. On the other hand, there are many risks that are worth it. Look at, um, Steve Jobs and all that Apple did to go into four different industries, um, not because there was any precedent about doing that, but just because he thought that um, it, it fit his future vision, his vision of the future. And you have to have a future vision. Your vision of the future, your North Star is what's going to drive you, and your passion is going to drive you. And if you're not willing to take the risk, then don't do it. Be, be an employee. Um, but if you have the passion for the vision that drives you and you're willing to take the risk, then go all out. Don't try to make it perfect. One of my favorite things is um, um, be, uh, don't be perfect, make progress. Uh, so keep on working at it and don't worry about perfection. You get there little by little using the lead startup methodology. Don't try to be perfect, try to just make progress. And I think I'll leave you on that note. Sure. And, uh, you know, there you have it. Just get a little bit better every day. Um, so thank you for your time today, Jerry. I really do appreciate you. I'm looking forward to being in your network and seeing if I can connect you with some of the entrepreneurs that we have within our ecosystem. Um, so again, I just thank you for your time and your resources and your understanding of business. We look forward to talking to you again. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bailey. It's really been a pleasure. And, uh, thank you so much for inviting me on, uh, this podcast and, I know you provide a lot of value to your listeners and to those entrepreneurs out there. Cool. Well, thank you. We'll talk again soon. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.